What does your family portrait look like? We ask that question each week. We want you to envision your family. You may be a family of one, but you're still a family, right? So what's your picture look like? Well, a family portrait should include just a description in our mind of all the dynamics in our family, you know, the, the strengths and the weaknesses of people, the positive things and the challenging things in that family. Now, in this series, we're looking at this kind of stuff, the challenges, the dynamics, and all that. And here's how we're going about it. Each week, we're going to be looking at a portrait of a family and tell a story that just might be true of that family. These stories we uh, are sharing address the questions you helped us with with that survey earlier this year where you gave us your input and we've used that to form these, uh, these messages. Now then, after we look at the family and describe their situation, then we're going to bring Bible verses, looking to the Bible, to address these issues in that family to try to help us all, okay? We have a theme verse for our series, and it's from the book of Proverbs, chapter 7, verse 4. Proverbs 7, 4. Make insight a treasured member of your family. Make insight or wisdom or knowledge a treasured member of your family. Not just part, but a very big part, a treasured part of your family. What we're talking about in this series is not just add a little Bible here, a little Bible there, a little bit on parenting or marriage or whatever, you know, try to get it a little better. No, we're talking on a whole nother level that if we will treasure, highly value, and apply the insights that we have from the Bible on family life, our family life can be really good. It can be really good if we'll apply these insights and treasure them that God gives us. That's how God wants us to value his insights for our families. So here is our family portrait, our family for today. Tell me when you see it. Is it there? All right. So I want to give you the story behind these fantastic folks. This family, obviously this picture was taken a few years ago, but this family attends church every single Sunday. I mean, they don't miss. If you came to church, you would expect to see them sitting there in their row, and you better not be in their seat. I mean, you know, so <laughs> the, these people are there all the time. Well, there's a little more to them. The, the mom that you see here, she has a brother. He's not in the photo, but the brother is doing some stuff that he shouldn't be doing. First thing is he is illegally manufacturing moonshine on a regular basis, and he runs a brothel in town. Now, if you don't know what that is, well, it's a place where you go, you pay to have sex. That's what a brothel is, in case you didn't know, because it's old school terminology up there. And uh, this is what this brother, her brother's doing. Well, the parents, mom and dad there, they don't want their kids to think that the uncle is a cool guy because he's doing some stuff that he shouldn't be doing that's actually destructive uh, in his own life and in the life of others. And they don't really know what to do because they all live on the same family farm. They see him either around each other every single day. Now, Dad, he has a little bit of problems of his own. He, um, he wants to look like a man's man. He wants to look, you know, macho and in charge and, you know, like a lot of us guys do. And he does it, especially in front of his friends, you know, how, you know how guys can be. Well, he also realizes that his arrogance 
and his chauvinism is actually pushing his wife away. He knows this, but he doesn't really know what to do about it because he's following the only example he's ever had of being a husband and a father, and that was his dad and his grandpa, and they were exactly the same way. Now, that sister, the girl in the top right of the photo there, um, this gal has brought some shame to their family. As a matter of fact, she works at her uncle's brothel. And she goes around telling everybody in the community that her parent, the reason that she's the way she is, is because her parents abused her when she was young. And by the way, that's not true. They did not abuse her, but she's making up these stories and these lies. Now, besides forgetting to smile for their family portrait, uh, this family has some very challenging and destructive dynamics, differences and difficulties, and today we're going to look at what could help them. So let's talk about dad and mom and the fact that they have an uncle who's a criminal, but he's part of the family. What, what do you do with your kids when you have that kind of a situation where there's either a family member or a real close friend of the family, and the kids all know him and love him because he's a great guy, but he's bad news and a bad influence. So what is a biblical insight some scripture that can help us in this situation. Look at Proverbs 22, verse 6 with me. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Man, what a great verse on good parenting. I love the promise at the end that he'll stay there. But look at the first part. We train them up. So training is intentional. You know, we don't just spontaneously train. That has to be thoughtful. Like you guys who work out and train, you're very intentional and in planning in it. Well, that's the picture here that a parent is being intentional, raising that child. And look at this bracket part, teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. The parent is saying to the child growing up, hey, God loves you, wants to have a relationship with you, and he knows what's best for your life. And as you grow up, we're going to figure out together what his will is for you, what his direction is for you. And a big part of that will be based on how we understand your abilities and your gifts that God's given you. And so this is a great principle for really good parenting. So I want to talk about parenting a little more in general. Then we'll get back to the bad news uncle, okay? A parent's goal is to raise a child who will live with God leading his or her life. With God leading his or her life. That's our goal, parents. Now, you've probably heard the phrase, oh, he's a good kid or she's a good kid, whatever. And we kind of have this thing in our culture where we say, yeah, you know, they're a good kid, meaning they don't break the law or end up in jail. You know, they're not a criminal and they treat people, you know, fairly good. They're a good kid. But there's a whole nother standard that God can help us take our kids to, that they're not just good kids, they're godly kids. They really have a relationship with God, and they're learning to live out of that relationship with Him. They're not just trying to be good, they are good, and that goodness is showing in their lifestyle and their choices. So how does this training happen? Okay, let's get real practical. First off, when the kids are little, your goal is that they come to Jesus. And so they hear all about Jesus growing up, and you tell them the Bible stories. You pray with them at night, praying to Jesus. And as they get older, 
Because you've been training this way. You've had them in church. They've been in kids' church, hearing the great Bible stories. There comes a point where, just like you, God touches their heart and brings them to a place of faith where they can say, I need Jesus. I need forgiveness for my sin. I need a Savior. I, I want to give him my life. I, I, I get it that he, he knows best. And when a child gets that, that's the beginning of this godly life that God will give them. And so they start that relationship. They say, come to my life, Jesus. And this usually happens around 8, 10, 12, you know. Sometimes a younger child, you know, around 8 can get it. But there needs to be some understanding of, hey, you, you've blown it. <laughs> you've sinned, and that's between you and God, okay? So that's the beginning of this training. And then the second stage is just spiritual growth from then on, this relationship that your child now has with God, you help them develop it. You help them learn to read the Bible and how to pray and how to worship. You play worship music at home and worship at home or whatever. And you'll know you're on the right track when you see your child doing this. They, they are growing in a love for God and they're finding their own path for life. They are figuring out just what we read earlier, that that parent is helping them figure out God's wisdom for their abilities and their gifts. And so they get into this groove. And so it's an awesome thing to see someone becoming a young adult. And for a while, they've known it. They've had direction for their life. And boy, do people need direction today. Well, God wants to give that. And so finding that path is just huge. So now back to the problem uncle. What do you do with that problem uncle. I want to talk about younger children and older ones. With younger children, our job is to protect them. When they're little, they can be so influenced by a bad influence. And sometimes, even if it's a family member, you got to draw a line. You, you got to say, I I'm sorry, little Johnny, but Uncle Bob is just a mess, and I'm, we're just not going to hang with him for a while. You know, hopefully that'll change. But I love Uncle Bob. You know, you get all that. I know, I get it. But there are some reasons, and you just got to trust Daddy in this. We're drawing a line. I've got to protect you. So those little guys, you protect them. You're teaching them discipline. You're teaching them right from wrong. When they disobey on purpose, there's consequences, all right? And so you, it, it's kind of like this. And as they mature, you know, it gets a little looser. I volunteer in one of our local elementary schools, and I can see the difference in children. I'll have kids come up to me, good morning, Mr. Webb, and they'll look me in the eye and reach out to shake my hand. And, and I think, this isn't just a good kid. He seems kind of godly, just his respect. And I always think, I bet there's some good parenting behind this guy. So the little ones, we're protecting them and we're nurturing them, but we're also disciplining them and teaching them right from wrong, okay? Now, the growing kids, the teenagers, especially when they get into high school, we want to gradually release this controlling discipline we've had on their life to help them, okay? We're gradually releasing it, and we start to talk to them and say, you know what? You're becoming a young adult now, and you, may not, you won't be living at home a lot longer, and let's talk about you becoming adult. And so you start to talk about, hey, we, we want to give you a, a little more freedom here. We want to give you a little more freedom here, and everywhere we give you new privilege, we're going to watch and if you act responsibly, if you act adult, then it'll be great. But if you get a little childish and you, you misuse that freedom, we'll have to draw you back a little bit. But we want you to learn what it is to become an adult starting to make your own decisions. So part of that 
has to do with their friendships, doesn't it? And so now you've got this, say, junior in high school, and you've got this terrible uncle who, or I hate to call him terrible, but what he's doing is terrible. And so you're saying, hey, I want you to you know, talk to me about your friendships. I'm, we're giving you some freedom in this area now. What, what do you think about Uncle Bob? And, and just listen to him. And they probably know way more than you thought they did. They could probably say, yeah, you should hear this about Bob. And you're like, whoa, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll tell you stuff. And then as an adult, speaking to another adult, we start challenging them. You're a young adult now. What do you think about that? Do you think that's somebody that you should hang out with a lot? He's relative. He's family. I get it. But what should you do? And hopefully they'll understand and go, okay, I, I get where that could be an unhealthy relationship there. I want to give you a little rule of thumb, parents. By the time your kid's a senior in high school, I want to encourage you to try to get them ready to have a lot of freedom where that senior year, the big rule is I just need to know where you are and when you're going to be home, and I want to know what's going on in your life, but I'm giving you freedom to start to make a bunch of decisions. And so that senior year is a testing year to get them ready to go out and be a maturing young adult. Now, there's one more aspect of this I want to talk about. What if you're a parent of an adult child who's messing up? I mean, when they're little, you're supposed to discipline them and, and, and teach them right from wrong and, and make sure they learn that stuff. But when they're an adult, they're an adult. You, you can't discipline them. You can't, you know, correct them. So parents, when you have adult kids who have problems, what do you do? And before I answer that, let me make this point. You never quit being a parent. You, you guys who are a little seasoned and mature and wise, like, like <clears throat> me and some others, you, you've got a, your kids are all adults, and, and, and you love them, but the parenting never goes away. And, and you got to be careful, though, because you'll want to say, what are you doing? Quit that. You know? Oh, wait, you're 20, not 12. Sorry. You know, you got to switch into adult mode and say, son, what's going on here? What, what's happening here? I, what I see just really concerns me. I've been praying about it, and I felt like it'd be okay to ask you about it. See how you're respecting them as an adult, not talking down to them like a child? And so you can address your adult kids, adult to adult, but you've got to understand they've got to make the decision. They've got to figure it out. And here's one last aspect, and, and we'll move on. Sometimes when our adult kids mess up bad, it's on us because I did a poor job parenting. Sometimes they get messed up and you realize, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I see where I really blew it here. I didn't really train them well here. Here's something, though, you can do that can really, really help. You can go to that child and say, hey, I see what you're doing, and you know, I'm very concerned, but you know what I've realized? I'm partly to blame, too. I wasn't a great parent. I failed in this area. Would you forgive me for that? And the point you're trying to do is touch a heart. And, and when a parent says that, most young adults will go, oh, sure, Dad, I, I forgive you. And you weren't that bad, but yeah, I got this problem. Let's talk about it. I've actually seen this work. I uh, had a uh, conversation with someone one time, and they told me about their child messing up big time. He was, the child was a young adult, and they were in trouble with the law, and it was, it was bad. <laughs> that was perfect timing. Anyway, uh, they were in trouble with the law, and this 
parent calls me and tells me the situation, and I'm usually fairly nice. I'm not often real mean, but it just rose up in me, and, and I trust it was God. I just said, you know what? This is on you. This is your fault because you haven't been a good parent. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm saying this. You know? <laughs> but I think it was the Lord because the, the, the parent just paused and said, you know what, Ed? You're right. I said, well, I want to suggest you go to that child and you apologize and ask them to forgive you for not parenting them well and see what happens. And so they went and they apologized. They humbled themselves. And that was the beginning of turning that young adult life around. And now that young adult and the parent, or they're like that. They are tight. And that young adult's on the right path now. And I think that parent's humility was huge in that. So parents, especially adult kids, own it, and God will bless that. God's drawn to humility. He loves that stuff. All right, let's talk about marriage a little bit. Chad talked about the dad in our picture and how he feels like he's becoming distant from his wife, and he's not being a great husband, and he, he kind of senses how, you know, being the tough guy isn't really good for her, and so he's trying to figure this out. Now, in this, mar- in this family series, we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about husbands and wives, okay? Today, it's just the husband, so ladies, you're off the hook today. Your time's coming, though. Your time's are coming, let me tell you, but Ben, it's us today, so let's talk about husbands. What insight from Scripture from this, can this husband use, all right? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. For husbands, this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her. So husbands, love your wives. Okay, I, I can get that, but then it goes on. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church, he laid down his life so we could have life. So men, no pressure. You just got to be Jesus, right? Just, you know, it's all good. You can be Jesus, right? That's our model, fellas. Just as Christ loved the church, what did he do? He put our needs ahead of his needs. He died on the cross for our sin. And God is saying, husbands, I want you to live that way with your wife. And so it boils down to this, guys. Loving your wife means her needs first. Her needs come first. It doesn't mean you don't have needs that are legitimate, but it means her needs first. Jesus came and initiated love and put our need first and died for our sin. And husbands, that's what God's calling you and I to do, to put her needs first. It might look something like this. Uh, Men, you've had a horrible day at work. I mean, not just a hard day, a horrible day. Everything you touched seemed to go wrong. The boss was all over you. Your coworkers were snickering behind their back like, what an idiot. You know? I mean, you just had a horrible day. And you just leave thinking, if I can just keep my job, I'll, you know, that's my goal today, not get fired. So you get through the shift, you come home, and you're just wiped out. And all you can see is that chair you're going to sit in, that Diet Coke and that remote control, and you don't want to have anything to do with anybody. You're just wiped out. And that's fine. I mean, life happens, and that's legitimate. You, you need the rest and the break. But you walk in the door, and you realize the wife had a horrible day too. If she was home with the little kids, they screamed and hollered all day long and just gave her grief, and she was exhausted. They didn't take their nap, and she's just like, here, take this one, you know? Or, you know, maybe she works full-time, and she says, oh, my job was horrible, blah, blah, blah. Men, right there, 
That's it. You've got a choice right there. Whose needs come first? You need to plop. I get it. I'm a great plopper. (laughs) You need it. But God says, put her needs first. Lay down your life, your needs, and put her needs first. So the husband trying to love his wife like this is a Okay, honey, let me sit down, but go ahead. I want to hear about it. You know, and after a minute, you know, a drink of the Diet Coke, you know, okay, keep going, you know. Now, this is even harder, men, if you're like me and really smart and intelligent. Good. They didn't laugh. The first service laughed at me. And, and you know what she's going to say, and you, and you know halfway through her sentences and what, where she's going, you know, you, you just want to say, whoa, I got it. Okay, what else? I got it. And you want to interrupt? No, no. You don't want to interrupt. Uh, Chad and I had a conversation recently where he talked about that I tend to interrupt people, and uh, it's not, we've concluded that as intelligent as I may be, it's impatient and it's rude, and I'm working on it. I really am, but the most important person I need to work on this with is my wife. Well, I listen to her patiently, even if I'm tired and I'm exhausted. Put her wife first. Be Jesus, men. And you'll see some cool stuff. One more verse from Ephesians. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife shows love for himself. The Bible, we learn from the Bible that when we're married, we become one, right? And so when I put my wife's needs first, the one, the marriage is better. I am a beneficiary. And and it boils down to this. Husbands, if we initiate... If we'll show love, if we'll put her needs first, she'll respond. And that's why we're told if you love your wife, you're loving yourself. She will respond to you and meet your needs. In my entire career as a pastor over a lot of years, I have never, ever had a situation where I was counseling a couple where the husband was really trying to do this, put her needs first, and the woman did not respond. Never. God's wired a woman to respond to a man putting her first. It's a beautiful thing. So husbands, we initiate, our wives respond, and we are actually the beneficiary of it. So men, if you want a good marriage, start to try to lovingly meet your wife's needs and just watch her respond to you. All right. So one more part to this family that we're going to talk about this morning, and that's this. How should mom and dad treat the daughter, the one in the top right? How should they treat her? Uh, and what, what should they do? How can they respond when she continues to live a life that's, you know, she's self-destructive and she's hurting the family, hurting people around her? She keeps doing the same hurtful things over and over. She's lying about the family. How, how, how do they deal with that? What insight can these parents use? And so we're going to give it to you. This first part is not in any of the notes that you've got, so you might want to write this down. Um, or type it on the... Or type it on the little <laughs> notes on, your, uh, on the app. And the first thing is this. The very first thing that mom and dad should do with this girl is they should love her. They should love her. Um, and as a, as a parent, sometimes that's not the first thing you want to do. And you might, what are you talking about? Well, it's, it's really easy as a parent to get frustrated. Don't raise your hands, but how many of your, your parents in here have ever been frustrated with your children? They kept doing the same thing over and over. How many of you have ever been heartbroken 
by your kids? How many of you have ever been disappointed by your children? The list goes on and on, and if you're a parent, you've had all those things, and if you haven't, just wait. You will. Um, and it would be real easy to just, just grab hold of them, and you just want to pinch their head off, okay? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, that's not the first thing that you should do. First thing you should do is love them. They should love her. Let me, let, let me kind of explain to you how that maybe would go. You might, they, they might talk to her like this, listen, we love you, and nothing you could ever do would change that. No matter how many times you mess up, no matter how upset we are, or how disappointed we might get, or even when we're angry, nothing changes the fact that we love you. I think that's the first thing they need to do with this, with this uh, girl. And it's probably the first thing we should do with our kids. Now, the second thing is this. They need to forgive her. What should they do with this girl who keeps doing the same thing over and over and causing this harm to herself and others? And I mean, it's really bad. What should they do? Matthew chapter 18. Here's some insight from the Bible about forgiveness. This is, um, what, this is something that happened between Peter one of Jesus' disciples, and Jesus himself. So Peter's coming to Jesus and asking him a question. And Peter came to him and asked, how, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? He's thinking, I'm going to be generous. Seven times? I mean, that's a lot. The, the kid does the same thing over seven times? That's a lot. I, I can forgive seven times. And then Jesus' answer is, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And for you mathematicians out there, if you think, I'm already at number uh, 489, and they only got one more chance. <laughs> he wasn't really trying to give it a number. He was saying, it's unconditional. You forgive. And in, here, forgiveness is unconditional. Now, here's what it, what it is. It means to release somebody from their debt to you. So mom and dad in our photo, in our portrait, should forgive this, they should love her, and they should forgive her, and release her from, you know, you owe us, you owe us an apology, and you got to go around town and tell people you told those lies, and, you know, you got to stop making us ashamed of who, you know, they need to release her from what they think she owes them. Now, follow with me. Here's what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not compromising what's right and wrong. Forgiveness doesn't mean that what's happening is okay. It doesn't mean that, well, I know you did that, but it's okay. We'll just let it happen again and let it happen again. We're never doing it. We're just going to forgive you. Don't, aren't you just supposed to forgive people? Yes, but it doesn't mean you let it go on. Forgiveness is not compromising right and wrong. What happens is you love the girl. And then you forgive her. And, and in that process, especially if this is an over and over constant thing, you set boundaries. Boundaries have to be made. And I'm going to talk to parents because, you know, I, I am one here. When you set boundaries, here's what's happening. You're, you know what, I'm not just talking to parents, am I? Mm -hmm. There's more than just parents in yeah, here. Yeah, 
kids, I'm going to give your mom and dad some advice. Future parents, you want to write this down. (laughs) When you create boundaries, you put a consequence on the other side of that line that you just drew, and then you follow through with that consequence. Boundaries protect you. They protect the child. They protect the kids, and they challenge the, the, the person, the offender. You, you try to bring them to task and say, hey, this is, not, this is not okay. I love you, but this can't happen again. That's one thing they should tell this girl. Look, this is all going on, but this can't, this can't continue. We can't go on this way. You draw a line in the sand with some consequences. Now, listen, I follow through. Often, a lot of times, that's the hardest part. It's easy to make threats. You do that again, this is what's going to happen. Well, number one, you shouldn't go about it that way because sometimes you make some stupid threats and you go a little, you may be too far and you think, I shouldn't have said that. And what happens is then you don't follow through. And guess what happens then? You have no respect. They don't believe anything you say. You're not going to, you are now, um, you have no credibility if you don't follow through with what you've said. So uh, not following through is a parent making everybody else in the family suffer. If these, these folks set some boundaries with this girl and say, this is the way this is gonna be, you're not going to do this. If you do, you can't live here anymore. Or if you do, X, Y, Z is gonna happen. If they don't follow through, they're hurting all the rest of the family. Can't do it. You, you can't afford it. Not following through is the same thing as agreeing with the wrong as far as everybody else is concerned. And um, So let me say this again in case you're not catching it. You draw a line, you set boundaries, and you follow through with the consequences even if it hurts your feelings, even if it hurts your heart, even if you think, I don't want my kid to go through this. I don't want them to hurt, and so... I know I said they I know I said if they kept doing this they couldn't live here anymore but man I don't want to do that. Well number 1 you should have never said it. But if you did say it and you meant it you better do it. One more thing. Um, to not follow through once you've forgiven and you set in the boundaries, if you don't follow through with that line that you drew, that's unhealthy parenting. And um you're going to be held accountable to God for that. So folks, love our parents up here. They should love their girl. They should forgive her and not try to make her pay. But they should set boundaries and say, enough is enough. Don't cross this line again, please. If she does, they follow through with what they said. The child will then, at the very least, while they may be upset about it, they're going to respect the fact that their parents have the guts to lead, and uh, you actually earn respect from God. You earn respect from God and your kids when you decide to lead them this way. Some powerful insights from the Bible to help us in our family dynamics, if we'll bring these insights and apply them, it makes such a huge difference. 
So just to refresh in our mind, I hope you got your notes and you filled out your app stuff, but just to refresh, train up a child in the way they should go. When they're little, protect them. Your goal is that they're godly. Husbands, be Jesus. <laughs> God will help us. <laughs> God will help you. And then finally, forgive and draw boundaries too. We're about to be dismissed and pray, but I need to uh, say a couple things. We're going to have baptism in just a few minutes after the service, so we hope you'll all stay, and you can move towards the middle here, and the little kids can sit on the floor here and watch. They can get real close. It's just an awesome time, so we're going to baptize. It takes us a few minutes to get ready. Every Sunday, we have prayer, and today, because we're baptizing, we still want to offer prayer, but if you guys want prayer, please come over by the drum cage here. Get on around that corner, and y'all can have that privacy you need to be able to have prayer because we want to pray for you every Sunday for any need in your life, okay? Also on the way out, if you fill out that Connect card for us, guests, please go by that uh, guest cart, <laughs> guest cart, and give them your card, and we'll give you that bribery gift Chad talked about earlier. Y'all stand, and we'll pray. God, we thank you today that you're a family God. Just like we'll say, somebody's a family man. You're a family God, and you wanted to have many kids, and you adopted us by sending Jesus to pay for our sins. So we thank you that we're in your family. And Lord, we know that you want our families on earth blessed. So Lord, this week, Lord, help us husbands love. Lord, help us parents train. And help us deal with tough situations with mercy and forgiveness and truth. Lord, bless these folks, I pray now in Jesus' name, amen.